0: This is Edward Mazur, Chairman of the City Club of Chicago. Our speaker today was the Chief Financial Officer for the City of Chicago, Jenny Huang Bennett. She gave a very, very positive report on the city's budget and the directions that Chicago is heading in fiscal year 2022 and beyond. She said that Chicago is on the rise. Financial stability is more present than in the last few years. The city is adopting some transformational initiatives, and the arrows financially, economically, socially, in her opinion, are all pointing up. Once the pandemic subsides, and it appears to be declining right now, Bennett said that Chicago will become even more competitive than other cities. She talked about the city's plan for the first time to fully fund four of the important pension systems, which will mean increased funding by an average of 3% a year in the coming years and present a structural balance by 2023. Then she focused in on the casino, her potential casino. She said the city has received five bids to operate a casino This would be the first ever casino in the city of Chicago. She then addressed the what's called the Chicago Recovery Plan, billion-dollar investments in areas of Chicago that are needed and deserving. She said that Mayor Lightfoot has focused in on areas that have been historically neglected and underserved and that increased federal funding and other monies will be used to augment programs In such areas as closing the digital divide, mental health innovations, not only for residents, but for first responders, police, firefighters, increased funding for youth programming. The 2022 budget, she concluded, is very historic because for the very first time, the city has addressed important issues such as dealing with the debt, raising new funds, and new Water revenues, she talked about an arrangement with the city of Joliet that should produce additional income to the city and may be the forerunner to other agreements regarding water distribution and supply from the city of Chicago to a variety of suburban and other jurisdictions. Jenny Bennett. Our speaker today for the City Club of Chicago.
1: You know, the last time we got together about a year ago, I talked about having, you know, once in a century leadership uh, under Mayor Lightfoot and under Jenny and, and, and the entire Chicago leadership team. And indeed, following her historic election, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has undertaken an ambitious agenda uh, of expanding opportunity and inclusive economic growth um, across Chicago's neighborhoods with accomplishments including landmarks, ethics, and good governance reforms, worker protection legislation, and closing a record $1.2 billion budget gap. Additionally, um, in response to COVID-19, uh, Mayor Lightfoot has led and coordinated citywide efforts and effectively addressed the racial uh, Equity Rapid Response Team, the COVID-19 Recovery Task Force, amongst other initiatives. These obviously make such a a powerful impact for our city, and and we're fortunate for her leadership. Previously, Mayor Lightfoot served as a senior equity partner at Mayor Brown, President of the Chicago Police Board, Chair of the Police Accountability Task Force, Chief of Staff and General Counsel for the Chicago Office of Emergency Management and Response, Interim first deputy of the Chicago Department of Procurement Services, chief administrator of the Office of Professional Standards, and an assistant United States attorney. A native of Maslin, Ohio, Mayor Lightfoot has been a resident of Chicago since 1986, where she lives with her her wife, Amy Echlin, and and, and their and their daughter. Please w- w- join me in welcoming Mayor La- Lori E. Lightfoot. Thank you.
2: Good afternoon, everyone, and for those who are anxiously waiting on their seats, yes, the Maslin Tigers are in the state football championship. They scored 76 points last Friday night. On to the next round. <laughs> but that's not why we're here. <clears throat> I met Jenny um, Bennett for the first time in April of 19. It was during the transition, and we needed to get a CFO uh, since, he, obviously, there was a change in the administration. And I knew about her background. I read her resume. It was very impressive. But I have to tell you, the first time that I had a conversation with her, I felt like I had somebody who was going to wrap their arms around me um, and help lead the way. Because we had just heard from the prior administration that the structural deficit for the upcoming year was much larger than had been previously uh, disclosed publicly. And we knew we had a tremendous challenge on our hands. So having Jenny at the helm, I knew from the very beginning, was going to be a huge plus for an incoming administration facing uh, a number of challenges. And little did we know what those challenges uh, would be. Obviously, we've been through a huge and continue to suffer the repercussions of a global pandemic, a massive economic uh, meltdown and dislocation, civic unrest, uh, many conversations around ending structural racism. And at the heart of all of those things, you wouldn't think the CFO would be there, but Jenny Bennett has been there leading the way. Um, Those of you who've had the pleasure of dealing with her, it will not surprise you that she was a champion high school debater. Uh, because Jenny really knows how to marshal the arguments and be incredibly persuasive, and let me just tell you a little bit of her accomplishments in developing and, and creating a new investments through uh, ARP. Uh, we just br- uh, and six hundred sixty million in enhancements to the Ch- Chicago Works Capital Plan, which was Jenny's idea. The Fi Twenty Two Budget is a reflection of the tremendous work that Jenny and her team had done over our time in office to help our city reach structural balance. You'll recall that we walked into what, what, at that time, was the largest structural deficit, a mere $783 million. And then last year happened. And we saw, for this year, a deficit of $1.2 billion. But Jenny, given who she is, is unflappable. Put our head together with the rest of our incredible team, our controller Rush Sony, um, and our great budget director uh, Susie Park, working together as a team, reaching out to many of you in this room uh, to get ideas and suggestions, and came up with a plan that has put us on the right path. And over these two last two budgets, which were extraordinarily challenging, we didn't do what a lot of cities were being urged to do by members of of their respective councils uh, and others. Um, We identified in these last few budgets $1 billion in structural solutions over the last three years. That's because of Jenny and the team. We didn't deplete our reserves, which many, Chairman Weggis back here will recall, many were urging us to do to solve our finances last year. We knew that that would be a disaster. We avoided massive layoffs, and we didn't cut city services. We rolled up our sleeves and worked hard in a different way. And there's a reason why we've received favorable outlooks by the rating agencies because Jenny had, from day one, said to them, we will be transparent, we will give you multiple years of budgeting information, and that focus on transparency and relationship building has really redounded to our benefit with the increase and improved outlooks that we've gotten from various rating agencies, and I credit Jenny with that. Folks, importantly, we will climb our pension ramp. Which means that for the first time in our city's history, all four of our pension funds will be paid on an actuarially determined basis. That is great news. <clears throat> and we will climb the scoop and toss ramp, meaning that annually we will be paying off between 225 and $325 million a year in debt. These are huge accomplishments, and they occurred, I might remind you, in the middle of a pandemic. Now, thanks to these accomplishments, as a result of the passage of the FY22 budget last week, and I thank the members of the City Council who supported this work, we expect to reach structural balance by 2023, which bodes well for our prosperous post-pandemic recovery. And beyond the, bu- the budget, Jenny is a real problem solver on o- other funds and helping us identify other revenue streams. And let me just give you a couple of examples. Some of you know that earlier this year, we sealed a deal with the city of Joliet to begin providing it with water from Lake Michigan. That is a huge um A huge bonus uh, for us. I want to thank John Roback and his team at Greeley and Hanson for helping us in that effort and working with Jenny and her team. But this means not only are we going to Joliet, but the surrounding communities and building deep partnerships there that will provide us not only uh, with other sources of revenue, but a real opportunity to build regional partnerships that are so incredibly important to the city of Chicago. Again, I got to credit Jenny for seeing this opportunity seizing it and moving us forward and getting us over the threshold. Jenny and her team are also running point on our 30-year effort to get a casino in Chicago. And I'm happy to tell you uh, the RFI closed uh, last week. And we have five developers who submitted proposals to operate our first ever casino. And they are really strong proposals. But again, Jenny and her team ran point on this effort. So we're excited to dig into the details of that, and this and many other things would not be possible without Jenny's incredible leadership. She is a very humble person, um, but very focused, very determined, um, and all, all while being a wife and a mother, but also an incredible colleague, it's my pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, to ask you to greet and welcome Jenny Wong-Bennett, our CFO. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'm humbled by that introduction. And before I get started, I'd also like to thank Mayor Lightfoot for her leadership over the last three years. I'm so fortunate to serve as CFO to a mayor who has always put the needs of Chicagoans first in her decision making. She's strong, she's tough, she's smart, and is driven to advocate for what she believes in. We are lucky to have her fighting for Chicago's many needs in, this, in these unprecedented times. I also wanted to thank Chairman of the Committee on Finance, Scott Waggisback, um, and Chairman on the Committee on Environmental Protection and Energy, Deputy Floor Leader, Floor Leader, George Cardenas, as well as the Chairman of the Committee on Budget and Government Operations, Pat Dell, and the entirety of City Council for their efforts in collaborating with us on the budget. I also see Chairman of the Committee on Economic, Capital, and Technology Development, Gil Viegas, and we thank you for your continued collaboration. Last, but certainly not least, I also wanted to acknowledge the budget and finance dream team here today, Susie Park, the city's budget director, and Reshma Soni, the city's controller, as well as members of our collective staff. The budgeting process is a citywide effort, and it took a village for us to get to this moment. As many of you know, my background is Taiwanese, and my parents grew up in very poor post-World War II Taiwan. Nowadays, I fail at cajoling my kids to eat their vegetables. My dad only ate vegetables growing up because that's all they could afford. He was the first in his family to go to college. That was was made possible because his his father, a truck driver and auto mechanic, won a $1,200 lottery that paid for my dad's first year in college. When he first came to the United States, he had to redo his medical training and work two jobs to make ends meet. He provided everything we needed growing up and was a caring and accomplished physician and put three daughters through college. Our family story is the American dream, all because of a lucky lottery ticket. It's a dream that many families have that often goes unfulfilled. Families across Chicago shouldn't have to depend on luck in order to fulfill their dreams. And now, because of the Chicago Recovery Plan and the American Rescue Plan Act funds, we can provide life-changing opportunities for a great number of Chicagoans now and for generations to come. As a result of the Chicago Recovery Plan, the fiscal year 2022 budget is the most progressive budget in the city's history and provides much needed support to Chicago's communities, businesses and families. For those of you who haven't been following our budget process, I highly recommend you glance through the Chicago Recovery Plan booklet, which I happen to have here and take with me everywhere, which is available on the city's website. Without going through the whole list of investments in detail, the Chicago Recovery Plan is a $1.2 billion high-impact investment plan in much-needed areas of the city in order to set up Chicago to come out of the pandemic stronger and more competitive. Each investment is research-based and outcomes-driven. These outcomes are being evaluated on a project-by-project basis based on financial, economic, and social impact. To support community safety... Over $400 million is applied towards investments in youth jobs and intervention, anti-violence interruption services, workforce development, trauma-informed mental health supports, place-based investments, affordable housing, and homelessness services. Between 2019 and 2022, the mayor will have increased its prevent- violence prevention funding by $135 million over three years. One particular place-based investment is an $87 million initiative to clean up over 3,000 vacant lots, or about 30% of the city's vacant lots. This is the largest vacant lot cleanup program in the city's history and one of the largest in the nation. Studies have shown that vacant lot cleanup initiatives in other cities, like Philadelphia, have resulted in a 13% reduction in crime, a 29% reduction in gun violence, a 37% reduction in the perception of crime, and a 76% increase in residents using community spaces. Also, the unknown of what remediation may be necessary often prevents already existing developer interest in a vacant property. This initiative will allow for the market to create an incremental economic value for the city and for its communities uh, to, to benefit from these underutilized properties being reborn. Even if Chicago were to realize half of the results of the Philadelphia case study, this investment alone would have transformational impact on the landscape of our communities. Through the Chicago Recovery Plan, the city will also be investing an additional $157 million in new housing units and existing homes to provide affordable housing opportunities to Chicagoans. These investments will include mixed-use development, supporting families that seek to remain in their existing homes, help residents become homeowners, and lead paint abatement and other owner-occupied repairs. We anticipate the net result of these public investments and the leveraged private dollars that typically come with affordable housing investments to create long long-term term wealth and increase home ownership, all of which will help to keep Chicagoans in Chicago. Through digital equity funding included in the recovery plan, we hope to help over 300,000 residents receive affordable access to internet services over the next five years, which should allow the city to all but eliminate the digital divide in Chicago. We know that internet is not just about Netflix and email. It's about workforce development, civic engagement, continuing education, online banking, telehealth, and keeping in touch with family and friends. This work will build upon the progress made through the mayor's flagship digital equity initiative, Chicago Connected. Chicago Connected is a multi-party coalition, including the city, Chicago Public Schools, Kids First, United Way, and Children's First Fund, and over 10 philanthropies through Citadel and Crown Family Philanthropies. At the peak of the pandemic we brought completely free internet access to nearly 64,000 students and their families in Chicago, closing the digital divide by nearly two thirds. At the time of its launch Chicago connected was the largest scale and longest duration internet accessibility program in America. We've heard from hundreds of parents about how their at-home internet access have enabled them to get involved in their children's schools, access critical services, keep their jobs, or find their next job, and such examples include a parent named Olivia in, in, in Englewood. Olivia has three school age children at home and she herself is a college student. At the start of the pandemic, she stopped being able to go to the library to work and study and was forced to rely on the single Chromebook and cell phone to meet all of her family's schooling needs. Chicago Connected was designed to help families like Olivia's to access the Internet. Chicago Connected has been named the gold star for municipal broadband access programs by Education Week magazine. Many cities across the U.S. have modeled their own programs directly on Chicago Connected, including Philadelphia and Miami. The recovery plan allows us to continue making these tra- this transformational progress. In the areas of mental health services, the mayor increased investments in mental health by $86 million since 2019, which has increased the number of people served by three times. The Chicago recovery plan is expected to exponentially increase the number of residents served, with an expected 60,000 people served in 2022, up from just 3,600 in 2019. Also, the fiscal year 2022 budget includes expanded mental health supports, not only for residents, but also specifically for police officers in each each district. We know that mental health is one of the key root causes of community violence and also an essential support for our police officers who themselves face trauma. In total, this is the largest investment the city has made in mental health investment in at least a decade and perhaps longer. In the area of economic development, Mayor Lightfoot launched her flagship economic development investment, Invest Southwest, at the end of 2019. This ambitious undertaking will revitalize 10 neighborhoods through $750 million in public investments, catalyzing unprecedented private and philanthropic investments. The Chicago Recovery Plan layers on an additional $176 million of small business and tourism and industry support to support an equitable economic recovery, including $20 million to help attract conventions and tourists back to Chicago in a post-pandemic recovery. In the area of small business support... Over 60,000 small businesses and entrepreneurs will be supported by the Chicago Recovery Plan. This adds over $120 in supports provided to small businesses through the course of the pandemic, including the Chicago Small Business Resiliency Fund. At the time of shelter-in-place, the city created this fund in 13 days, knowing that small businesses had only 16 days of cash on hand and employed half of Chicago. At the time, this was the largest small business loan program in the country. And the Resiliency Fund served over 1,700 small businesses and saved up to 9,000 jobs, tripling the small business lending in the city from the prior year. Even more importantly, the loan loss reserve that supports this fund can be recycled, which means that the expanded lending capacity will provide permanent capital to small businesses in Chicago for years to come. In the area of New jobs and student support. More than 65 million will be invested in youth programming and 20 million in student grants, building on the great work of My Shy My Future. The Chicago Recovery Plan overall is expected to create over 40,000 new jobs created or supported for adults and young people. Again, we know that engaging youth is a critical component to addressing the root causes of community violence. Also included in the Chicago Recovery Plan is a funding to plant an additional 75,000 new trees across the city over the next five years, a 300% increase. These investments will create job opportunities for planting and maintenance while improving our urban air quality. This will represent the largest tree canopy program in the city's history. In addition, in the area of capital infrastructure, the city approved a $1.5 billion uh, uh, first phase of a $3.7 billion Chicago Works capital plan. Chicago Works is expected to generate 11,600 jobs. The Chicago Recovery Plan approved another 660 million investments in affordable housing, environmental protection, business activation, and more to make permanent and leverage up the investments funded from ARP. The force of the Chicago Recovery Plan is more than just a specific list of investments. It's also the strategy and the policy behind the Chicago Recovery Plan. The plan isn't just about providing immediate assistance, it's an investment plan that's crafted to create a transformative, catalytic, and permanent change for generations to come. For example, the Chicago Recovery Plan extends the work kicked off by Invest Southwest, the underpinning of the city's population and economic development strategy. Population declines drive a declining tax base, decreases federal and state funding, creates a structural, financial, and social uh, 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 challenge within our city and sister agencies. Population declines in Chicago are largely driven by the out-migration of the city's African-American and Latinx populations. We know there's a multitude of reasons for this migration, including lack of job opportunities and youth supports, affordable housing, place-based investments, and community safety. And at the root of all of these ills is historical inequitable disinvestment. Bottom line, good social policy is good economic policy, especially in the case of Chicago, and part of the reason the mayor has put so much emphasis on equity and inclusion. In the end, these investments will benefit all of Chicago, and the city has put research, economic modeling, and outcomes tracking behind each and every one of the initiatives in the Chicago Recovery Plan to test this. The city is tracking not just social outcomes, but economic and financial outcomes. As a first step in the evidence-based process, the city conducted an economic impact study, which estimates the impacts of various investments on population growth, property tax values, income taxes, and sales taxes. This is important because at the outset, as we entered into this process of building the plan, we had the clear understanding that federal monies are one time in nature, The majority of the investments proposed are one-time capital investments or are structured as COVID-related one-time relief or a pilot program that is intended for evaluation after a specific time frame. But more importantly, the investments that could continue on will closely be evaluated for their social, economic, and financial benefits in order to determine the city's ability to continue to fund these investments after the federal funding runs out. Overall, the 2022 budget approved last week is truly historic for the city of Chicago, and again, I want to thank the entire finance team for the work that was done in in getting us there. It represents a new compact with the city of Chicago. It makes investments in areas of the city we know will make us more competitive for the future. In the midst of $1.5 billion in lost revenues due to the pandemic and crafting the Chicago Recovery Plan, the city also made significant strides in creating financial stability, including by way of important financial metrics such as pensions, debt, reserves, and structural balance. First, pensions. Eleven years ago, then Mayor Daly tasked the commission to strengthen Chicago's pension funds to evaluate the solvency of each of the city's funds. The Commission forecasted insolvency for the pension funds to start in fiscal year 2022. Just over two years ago, I remember meeting with Mayor Lightfoot during the transition, staring down a billion-dollar increase in the employer contributions over three years in 2020, 2021, and 2022. And mind you, this was before the pandemic hit. Instead of insolvency in fiscal year 2022, it's my pleasure to tell you that with the 2022 budget, the city has climbed that $1 billion pension ramp. For the first time in the city's history, the city will now contribute an actuarially based employer contribution for all four pension funds. Let me pause for a moment and repeat that. <laughs> we have climbed our pension ramp for all four pension funds. This was one of the key recommendations in the report from over a decade ago, and we are now projected to increase our overall funded ratio by 3% between 2019 and 2023. And for those of you who haven't seen the report, it is a really stark difference in terms of the projected uh, trajectory of the funded ratio versus where we are today. And it's a very clear turnaround that you can see in, in, in those numbers. Finally, we have made significant progress towards securing an additional $200 million of annual casino revenues to further shore up our police and fire pensions. On Friday, we were thrilled to receive five high-caliber proposals, taking us one step closer to completing a nearly three-decade-long pursuit of a casino in the city of Chicago. As one of the largest untapped gaming markets in the United States, the Chicago Casino provides an exciting opportunity for businesses, residents, and tourists alike, and we're will result in thousands of jobs. Clearly, the work is not done on pensions, but it is important for us to acknowledge important milestones like these when they occur so that people recognize the importance of continuing the hard work of walking the path towards financial stability. Beyond pensions, the city is climbing another less often discussed ramp in the fiscal year 2022 budget. It's a debt ramp. The city's historical reliance on scoop-and-toss debt restructuring has built a mountain of debt service and increased future debt burden. The city now has climbed that mountain and is carrying the full freight of annual debt service within its budget and is on its third year of not resorting to scoop-and-toss debt restructurings to address our budget gaps. As a result, the city will begin to amortize over $300 million of principal a year and pay down its debt. In addition, since the start of the mayor's administration two years ago, we have lowered total debt outstanding by $316 million due to aggressive cash flow management and the development of an internal cash flow forecast, as well as delaying new money financings. In total, the city will pay down and reduce about $1.5 billion in total debt through fiscal year 2025. So how does climbing this debt ramp benefit the city? In exchange, the city will be able to use this increased financial flexibility to make much-needed investments, both by way of the capital plan that was approved last fall, as well as the infrastructure investments needed to magnify and make permanent the transformative investments proposed in the Chicago recovery plan. Perhaps what has been the most difficult but most significant achievement is the city's path towards a structurally balanced budget. Over the last three years, the city has identified over 1.2 billion in structural solutions. Further, these structural solutions have been strategic changes that either fit within a broader tax policy or are generated through governmental efficiencies and reform, not merely budget gap closing measures. For example, the city expects to generate $35 million in contract savings, including reduced health care costs through the combination of negotiating better hospital reimbursement rates and increased employee contributions uh, negotiated within the collective bargaining process. In the first months of the administration, Mayor Lightfoot announced the outsourcing of the workers' compensation program to a third-party administrator. And today, I'm pleased to announce the progress we've made. One of the initial process changes was to put in place a nurse triage system where if an employee calls to make a claim, a nurse would walk the employee through the incident and help determine whether a claim was needed. This process alone caused for a 30% reduction in incidents being converted to claims. The city also increased closure of non-litigated claims by 10%, reduced days an employee was off work by nine days, and reduced the overall claims litigated by 12% and reduce the average cost of medical treatment by 8%. The city has also put in place an enterprise risk management system, which in and of itself isn't sexy work, but is incredibly important to reduce the city's overall liabilities paid through settlements and judgments. Some of the examples of efficiencies in this area include creating a new driving training for police officers, as well as changes to the policy to reduce the incidences of car crashes, which cost the city $22 million over the course of three years. The city also put in place an after-action review for litigation to conduct a root cause analysis on how to improve internal city processes to prevent future settlements and judgments. Earlier this year, the city entered into a preliminary water supply agreement with the first new regional customer in three decades. This agreement with the city of Joliet, the third largest city in the state, is expected to generate 20 to $30 million in annual water revenues. Across the duration of the deal, this has a net present value to the city of $1 billion in new, net, new water revenues. Even more importantly, we have engaged in conversations with all of our existing water partners and expect to roll out an advisory committee, which will strengthen our regional partnerships and allow the region to discuss important water issues that affect us all. All of this significant progress is the result of the mayor's focus around implementing true reform-based measures. True reform takes time, but ultimately is impactful in the long term and changes the organization from within. We believe the work that's been done will drive continued efficiencies in city operations, has supported our efforts to achieve structural balance, and allows the city to be better stewards of taxpayer dollars. Whether it's pensions, debt, or structural balance, all of these financial metrics are pointing up for the city's overall financial status. We know that the job is not done and that there's still more road to walk to achieve full structural balance, but it is clear that the city has made enormous strides in, in, in achieving that balance. To wrap up, if I leave you with one message today, I hope I have made the case that Chicago is indeed on the rise, both in terms of progress we've made by way of financial stability and, transformation, and the transformational nature of the investments contemplated by the Chicago Recovery Plan, On a personal note, in my 20-plus years in the municipal finance industry, I have worked on several municipal turnaround credits, most recently with Chicago Public Schools, but also with New York City after 9-11, Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina, and others. I have seen the worst days faced by institutions, and I've seen what recovery looks like. The city is on such a path financially, economically, and socially. There are so many financial accomplishments to be proud of, whether it's climbing the pension and debt ramps or finding $1.2 billion in structural solutions to drive efficiencies and reform. Even more importantly, I believe that Chicago will come out of the pandemic more competitive than it was going in. All the economic statistics support this. Over 100 companies have either expanded or relocated in the city of Chicago since the start of the pandemic. The unemployment rate has fallen to 7% compared to 12% a year ago and, and is comparable or lower than New York City and LA. And the, and the Chicago area real GDP has already exceeded quarter four 2019 levels. The city's population grew by 1.9% and in the latest census, outpacing growth in both Cook County and the state of Illinois. Our diverse economy allows us to adjust our investments to areas that will make Chicago more competitive post-COVID, and importantly, the now available federal money provides us with the tools and the bridge necessary to make those transformative investments through the Chicago Recovery Plan. The city must continue to be accountable to Chicagoans on the outcomes in the Chicago recovery plan, and we must continue down the road of financial progress. It won't be easy, but having seen the progress we've made over the last three years and the transformative change that's already been driven by folks right here in the room, I'm confident the future looks even brighter. I want to thank the City Club for the opportunity to share our vision with you today. And with that, I'll turn it back over to Omar for Q&A.
1: Thank you, Jenny, and, and thank you, everyone, for a, really such an engaging discussion, Jenny. Uh, again, really, once once in a century leadership. Please give give Jenny another round of applause. As as you know, at this point in the program, this is the point at which we collect Q and A. Thank you, Chairman Missouri. Um I, I I did also, as people are um, getting our questions together. Um, I did want to just recognize our other governors, uh Chairman Edmisur, <laughs> Governor Frank Paul, <laughs> and, and and Governor uh, Jackie uh, J- Jackie uh, Robinson. Um so with that, we'll start off with our first few questions. Um our first one is is comes from a city club member, which again, I'll put in a few shameless plugs here along the way. Uh, the, the more you, the more uh, you participate in city club, uh, we, we certainly appreciate the opportunity to put on, uh, uh, events like this. This first one comes from a member of the Bronner group, uh, Louis, uh, Markowitz, who is a city club member. Um, and ask the question around guaranteed basic income, which I I think Jenny covered some of this, but we'll, we'll put it out there. Um, Chicago will be implementing a guaranteed basic income pilot with ARP funds. Who will evaluate the program to determine the, determine the impact? Are you looking at any specific, for any specific outcomes? I'll turn it back to Jenny.
3: Thanks, Omar. Um, I'll start with the second question. Uh, as the mayor's mentioned on a number of occasions, um, from her own background, from my own background, I know Chairman Vegas and I have had this conversation around, um, you know, all of our experiences where families who live in poverty, um, you know, also suffer from a number of different, uh, poverty metrics, not just financial. Um, there's issues of time poverty and ability to be able to find opportunities to, um, expand upon your own circumstances. Um, universal basic income is ultimately intended to help alleviate some of those issues that uh, families who are in poverty face and, uh, and the intended outcome of that is to be able to provide not just the funding but also the wraparound supports which allows for them to be able to, um, to leg up whether it's by way of workforce development um, by way of job training um, by way of internet access um, a number of the different supports that the city is providing through the Chicago Recovery Plan um, and then I'm sorry the first question
1: yes let's uh, go back to that what, what outcomes are you for? Yes.
3: Right. I think the outcomes, you know, we talked about and then...
1: That's right. Are you looking for any... Uh- who will evaluate uh, the program to determine the impact? I think you've we'll oh, a little bit
3: about sure. that. Sure. Yeah, and the evaluation will be collaborative. Um, it'll be a collaboration of uh, the folks um, within the city who are uh, putting the criteria together that work has already started. Um, but importantly, as a part of the budgeting process, we did approve um, a subcommittee, which gives us the forum to be able to work with city council in determining what the um, ultimate um, outcomes and precise eligibility of the program will look like.
1: Thank you, Jenny. Appreciate that. Uh, the next question um, is from Patricia Provancia with the Bank of America Private Bank. Is there a plan, and again, I, I think uh, a number of these topics w- were addressed somewhat in the comments, uh, but is there a plan to address unfunded pensions? Jenny, I don't know if you've heard this one before. <laughs> So,
3: uh, you know, whenever you talk about city finances, it always starts and stops with pensions. Um, I think that really importantly, uh, Juan, as I noted in my comments, we have climbed the pension ramp. Um, You know, for those who don't uh, traffic in uh, city finances and actuarial actuarial calculations, ultimately what that means is that within our budget, we are incorporating what independent experts have determined as an appropriate level to start putting us on a path towards financial stability. We're not 100% of the way there, um, and we Know that we know that there are um, bigger, broader issues as it relates to pensions. Uh, but very importantly, for many, many years, the city hadn't even been paying the actuarially determined calculation, um, or some, you know, a calculation based on an, an actuarial uh, uh, evaluation. And now the city is including it within its budget. And so now, what happens going forward is that every year the annual increases will moderate. It becomes easier for us to be able to incorporate that cost within the budget from year to year. And all the while, we still continue the work of trying to make changes by way of pensions
1: thank you jenny we're certainly lucky to have have you and the the city's leadership team looking at this important topic that is really central to everything going on with the city Uh, we have a couple more questions Uh, before we go on to those i did want to recognize a a few other folks Uh, kirk kirk dillard uh is here with us as well today please give him a round of applause And uh, we're, we're going to do one more question, uh, unless there are any others, but I haven't seen uh, a bunch of others coming up yet. Uh, and this is from none other than Civic Fred uh, President Lawrence Massal, uh, who is also a City Club member. Thank you for your membership, Lawrence. Um, and in fact, Lawrence starts off by saying thank you for your leadership as CFO to Jenny, uh, and, and, and I concur with you, Lawrence. Governor Pritzker has recently announced violence um, is a public and health crisis and is promising $150 million in state funds. What else is needed financially to help the city end the unacceptable level of violence in our city?
3: Uh, First, I wanted to thank Lawrence for his leadership of the Civic Federation. Um, He's been a real partner uh, throughout the course of the last three years in helping us with, you know, all of the various challenges that we face, which have been significant. Um, As it relates to violence, the Chicago Recovery Plan does put a lot of money towards community safety. Um, What we know is that community safety is not just about police, although police is an important aspect of that. And we, um, you know, have supported, um, you know, our police officers in a number of ways in the fiscal year 2022 budget. Um, But in in addition to that, there's also um, uh, addressing the root causes of what Causes violence in our city. Um, the uh, investments I've laid out in, uh, in in a fair amount of detail within the remarks, um, but most importantly, what we know is that there has been a historic disinvestment in certain communities within Chicago. And that inequity um, isn't just about social outcomes, but ultimately has impacted us by way of community safety and has also impacted us by way of economic um, vitality. Um, we saw it over the course of the last year. And so that's why so much of our focus has has been around making sure we address those root causes, whether it's anti-violence investments, youth programs, um, mental health supports, affordable housing, because we know it's a comprehensive um, approach that ultimately helps supports families to find opportunities to be able to find their way out of whatever circumstances um, you know may, may, may make, uh, make, make it challenging for them. And so that's why we are so optimistic about the Chicago Recovery Plan and what it means for Chicago. Um, obviously, we will need to be held Accountable to those outcomes, which we have put a, a robust process in place for. But given the research, given the analysis, given all of the discussions that we've had around what the potential outcomes are for this uh, magnitude of investment in Chicago, we are very excited about what those impacts might be, um, especially by way of community safety.